Lenten meditation. Lord, we commit ourselves to you these 40 days and 40 nights. A time of sacrifice, a time of self-denial, a time of looking at God's amazing love and grace. These 40 days of Lent is a designated time on the calendar for us, but also I want you to know that for us sports fans, this is a very, very special time. It's known affectionately as March Madness. That's where college basketball hits its climactic peak in a 65-team seeded tournament. And you watch the thrill and you see the disappointment. And the level of play is heightened and the play clock runs in many of the games. It's not decided until the very end. And a lot of times when the play clock expires, there's something called a buzzer beater. That's that shot that's lifted off as time runs out and everyone holds their breath. Will it be a victory? Will it be a W, a win, or a loss? You see, there is a play clock that is running in our lives. And the question is, are we ready when the time expires? Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the myriad of emotions that we have felt in this hour. The fact that we've been able to laugh together, to sing with one another, to pray on behalf of one another. And Lord, I ask that you would be with us as, as we recognize that the play clock is running. Prepare us for what is ahead. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together be acceptable unto you. O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. I have enjoyed moving through this series entitled Cross Encounters. And what we've done is we've taken a look at the lives of those who experienced the cross. And there have been a, a various, a, a variety of experiences. And, and personalities and, and people as we've looked at them. Two weeks ago, we looked at the soldiers and how the soldiers were really unmoved by the cross. They were callous and they missed the whole experience of Calvary and Golgotha and the crucifixion of Christ. And the very bodies that they touched, the very body that they touched in Christ would offer redemption to the world. And then the disciples who followed Jesus but were confused when he talked about the cost of discipleship and when he would talk about the cross and how he would die following being turned over to the authorities, being persecuted. And the implication was, if you follow me, so will you experience these things. For you are set apart for a purpose. They were confused about this discussion related to the cross. Well, today we take a look at a tale of two criminals. And we compare them and contrast them. And you know the scene. 
They're on Golgotha. They've been led outside of Jerusalem. And there they are placed and mounted on a Roman cross. Jesus in the center and each thief on either side. And we know that in the profile of the thief, there are a couple of things related to their character. And one is dishonesty. You see, in that day and time, you could make restitution by paying back all that you owed. You could do it up to four to five times if the sentence was given. But in this case, they were crucified. So they must have done something more, a repeat offender. And so they were placed on the cross. Dishonesty is in all of our characters. And I want to ask you a question. How many of you have ever taken something that wasn't yours? How many of you have ever taken a, a, some money out of your mom's purse and not asked? Or maybe candy out of a vending machine without paying? Or, or uh, taking a test answer off of someone that's sitting adjacent to you? Or maybe a towel out of a hotel room? Or cheating, maybe fudging a little bit on your taxes? Or, or maybe on your expense report you took an extra dollar or two? Now... If you have never stolen anything, I want you to raise your hand. Well, that's good. Because I was going to uh, say that not only have you broken the commandment, thou shalt not steal, but also thou shalt not lie. <laughs> because we all have taken things that are not ours. We all have this characteristic of dishonesty embedded in our human nature. Recently, I was sharing with a Bible study the story of how I was at a hotel, and at the hotel, I was working out, and I was on a, an elliptical machine, and I found some nice headphones. I mean, these were nice. They were new Apple headphones that had the new design, Jared. They were awesome. And nobody else was in the room. And here they were, and someone had left them. Well, they didn't have a name on them. And no one was there to claim them. So I said, you know what? I'm going to take these, clean them up, and, and maybe see how they sound. And so I took them on up. Delia was out doing some things. I went back into the hotel room, cleaned them up, listened, and man, they sounded good. I mean, they sounded better than mine. And I thought to myself, you know, these, somebody was careless. And they really should not have left these. And, and, and so I'm going to maybe hang on to these. And then my conscience began to, uh, to be pricked and I began to feel some conviction and, and I thought, you know what? If this were mine, I'd want somebody to turn it in. You know, the right thing to do is to turn it in at the front desk. And so um, after a couple of days, no, just kidding. <laughs> after uh, about an hour, I decided to uh, go downstairs and I went to the clerk and I said, look, I found these in the workout room, and, and I, wanted, I want you to know they're not mine, and I really like these. Like, I needed to go into all that. And I, I said, I, I really would like to have these. Do you know who they belong to? Like, she's going to be able to identify that right then. And she said, no, sir, but, I, you know, there is a fellow that I believe could be the owner of those. He stays at this hotel uh, week after week. He travels for business. I bet they belong to him because he works out on a regular basis. And I said, well, I tell you what, if for some reason he doesn't want them, would you mail them to me? Here's my house address. 
all of us would like to hold on to things that are not ours. And so we're really no different than the one that was mounted on the cross next to Jesus on either side. In fact, our story is in their story because it says that they hurled insults at Jesus. Both of them, and Matthew referred to the thieves as hurling, both of them, insulting Jesus and saying things. And I find it interesting because it must have been that they knew who he was or at least the claims of who he was because he said, they said, if you could save other people, then it should be a minor matter to save us. If you're really the Messiah, come down off that cross and take us with you. You know, we find bitterness in our souls, don't we? And much of it comes from our own suffering. And there's no question that these two individuals on either side of Jesus had something in common. They were both dishonest. They both had bitterness as part of their lives. They had suffered. Now they brought much of the suffering on in their lives, but they had a choice. Have you ever been around someone who's really bitter? Have you ever been around someone who feels like they got the raw end of the deal? Who really is angry at the world and angry at God? They may even say, don't talk to me about Christianity. My child was born with a crippling disease. Don't talk to me about Christianity. I had longed to have a child and never was able to have one. Don't talk to me about having faith in God. God, if this is the way you treat your friends, it's no wonder that you don't have many. And so these two were lashing out at Jesus. And the wonderful thing about Christ is he did not lash back. <clears throat> That's hard, isn't it? Because we have something within us that wants to get even, to settle the score. And so they project their bitterness on an innocent man. You know, one of the things that took place in the midst of that whole experience was one continued to grow defiant, but the other was repentant. Their paths forked at that place. And I wonder what it was in those hours that took place sometime between nine o'clock in the morning when Jesus was crucified and noon when the earth became black. This one thief completely changed his attitude about Jesus. Something happened. <clears throat> and do you remember? He identifies the innocence of Jesus finally. And he says to the other thief, do you not fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly 
For we are getting what we deserve for our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And then he turned to Jesus and said something very beautiful. He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus blessed him and said, truly, I tell you, today, on this very day, you will be with me in paradise. What made that difference? Could only be one thing. He watched Jesus closely for three hours under stress and suffering. And something happened in that time where he realized this was no ordinary individual. This was no common person. His claims must be true. You know, you can tell a lot about a dying person. You can tell a lot about a person when they're dying. And Jesus was dying, and yet he prayed for forgiveness for his enemies. Jesus suffered physical pain without profanity towards others. And when they were taunting him, he did not retaliate. When they spit upon him, he did not spit back. And so I say to you today, this penitent thief was a changed man because he discovered real life in that moment as Christ was on the cross. He recognized his guilt. He said, we indeed have been accused justly. We deserve death, but he doesn't. Now, Jared won't remember this song and neither Alyssa. But I know a lot of you will remember Tie a Yellow Ribbon. Remember that song? <laughs> Tony Orlando and Dawn. And uh, in that song, there is embedded a story that I think is relevant. And it's the story of one that had served time for three years. And he was writing his lover. He's writing his uh, person of, uh, of, of uh, either married or girlfriend or whatever. And he, he writes her. And he says... I don't deserve forgiveness. And it's okay if you are unwilling to accept me. But if you accept me, I invite you, I encourage you, I need a sign. Put a yellow ribbon around that old oak tree. And the people on the bus somehow are knowledgeable of his story. And as he comes along the house, he sees a hundred yellow ribbons around the old oak tree. And I, I think the message here is a recognition that he deserves rejection. He, he deserves being cast out. But he experiences grace in an overwhelming way. And the soldier, I mean the prisoner on the cross, rested in the truth of Christ. He relied in faith in these words. Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. And as the clock was winding down, as the seconds were ticking away, as that play clock expired on his life, 
he would be changed for eternity. And in Romans 10, 9, that same invitation is presented to each one of us. If you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised you, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Think about a funeral I attended about a week ago, Audrey Lee Jackson. She was the secretary to our district superintendent for 15 years in that office. And so I wanted to go and be supportive. And so I went, and what a beautiful African-American service it was. It was a very spiritual experience for me. And as I entered the back of the church that was absolutely packed, the preacher said, if there are those who are uncomfortable, please come. We have seats in the choir. And so I traipsed all the way back down the center aisle and sat in the middle of the choir. And let me tell you, they sang on either side of me. And it was a beautiful moment. And I remember Ben Martin got up and he did a great job and it was an extremely responsive congregation. And then they had testimonies of Audrey's life. People saying, she taught me in Sunday school and she prayed for me when I was in the hospital. And another one said she had cancer and she knew this day was coming and she'd be ready. And then the pastor got up. And in a wonderful way, in a creative kind of way, in a pastoral way, he said, you know, we've eulogized Audrey Lee and that's, that's good. He said she was ready. And we said a lot of good things about Audrey Lee. And we've heard her record read. Now, do you know what that is? That's when they read the obituary. And then there's a litany of other things that may have been a part of her life. And so he said, we've heard her record. And she was ready as her record has been read. And I ask you, are you going to be ready when your record is read? And that was his quote. And he'd go through biblical characters throughout the Bible. And he'd keep saying, he was ready. She was ready when the record was read. And he said, I want to ask you. Now, we're not going to open the doors of the church right now. But we're going to go bury Audrey Lee. Good night, Audrey Lee. We're going to go bury her. And then we're going to have some good food to eat. And he said, I'm going to stick around. I'm going to be here at the church for a while. And some of you are not ready. And your record's going to be read. And I want to help you be ready. Won't you invite Christ into your life? Let's get ready. Men and women, the play clock is running for us. And time will expire. And it's still an urgent and important question. We may want to push it aside. We may want to try to forget it, but it's an important question related to our eternal life. And that is, have we invited Jesus Christ into our hearts? Have we claimed the victory that is ours through his work? 
may it be that we're ready. The altar is open. You may want to respond and simply celebrate that you are ready. Or maybe you want to celebrate that someone in your life was ready and you were there to see him. Maybe you want to pray for someone that's not ready and their soul is important to you. You see, God still cares for humanity and lost people still matter to God. It mattered to that one on the cross. It matters to us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.